Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I'm really excited for tonight. Just to say on Friday, I had the incredible privilege of facilitating being part of Tyler and Kate's Lynn, Kate Lynn's wedding, which was amazing. If you don't know Tyler, he's part of the staff here and one of the pastors in the story as well. And um, I just think weddings like that are amazing moments. As a young man got up and his, his family unsaved, her family unsaved, non-involved in church, both divorce stories, quite different families all over. And, um, and he gets up under conviction, starts telling stories. He stayed in 19 or 20 homes in the life of this church. Just different people in the life of this church, in their homes. And he began to speak about how that impacted and touched his life and brought life into his story and, and how he fought, they fought for him. And I thought it was such an incredible testimony. Why do we call people to life groups? Why do we call people to get to know names? And why are those things important? Actually, because Sunday is not it. Sunday is part of it. Sunday is a great moment. Sunday is a moment that the world comes to church. Sunday is awesome, but actually there is Monday to Saturday to do life together, brought courage out of each other, call each other into bigger stories. And I was so amazed this young guy started speaking at his wedding. He started preaching about community. And I thought, wow, that's incredible that at this moment they would choose to speak of the power of community. So don't stay out of it. Keep fighting for it. And, and we're really excited to see what God's doing with us. And this year we're stepping in and we kicked off two weeks ago, move the mountains. Say move the mountains. mountains. Okay, if we're going to say that, we've got to actually like say it like we mean it. Say move the mountains. There we go. We're going to get a little bit excited tonight. Just me. I'm excited. But, but. We really feel, and, and where it came from, I was last year, October, I had the privilege of going away for a few days, and I went for a walk just to hear God as we cry out for God to lead us and guide us. We aren't just a story, or every church is the same. No, every church worships the same God, and yes, God calls us, there's the big story, the meta-narrative of the gospel, He calls us to, but actually, unique homes and unique houses, He has unique stories for. And I was walking, and maybe you heard this story two weeks ago, so I want to tell it again, but walking, and just reminded of a mate of mine, who on his 40th birthday was driving from Cape Town, Joburg to Durban on the N3, stops this car. He just stops this car because he sees the mountain that Harry Smith people call Table Mountain. It's actually called Platberg, but they want to have their own Table Mountain. So they got their Table Mountain. He stops, puts his running shoes on, and says to his wife, I'm turning 40 today. I want to run at that mountain. Puts his running shoes on, puts his running clothes on, and runs at a mountain. And I just thought it was amazing. I don't know why I haven't thought of that story in years. I've never preached that story. And it was probably a midlife crisis happening. It doesn't matter. I felt like God in that moment challenged me and said, actually, will you still run at mountains with me? And will you still run at mountains for me? Is depression too big a thing? Or will you run at it with faith? Is, is, is financial challenge too big a thing in economic pressure time? Or is it too big a thing for him? Because if it's too big a thing, it's not too big a thing for him. And Jesus encounters the story where the disciples are praying for people and, and this young demonized boy they can't heal. And Jesus gets frustration, is frustrated and he calls them a, a unbelieving generation. And then he says to them, actually, if you just have faith as a mustard seed, it's not a ridicule of them. It is a rebuke to call them into more. It's a word to them. Say, hey, church, I've given you my life. I've given you my story and I want to pull you into my story. If you could just have faith like a mustard seed. I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed, but it's not huge. So if you just have faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain and tell it to move and it will move. 
Not just a Bible story to encourage us, not just a mantra for the walls of a church, but a truth that Jesus calls us to, his big story, that is bigger than our smallnesses and our narrownesses. And God pulls us into his story, says, actually, I am a mountain-moving God. I form the mountains. I can move them with one word, and I'm calling you into my story, not just to do religious rhetoric, to step into a faith story. And God is calling us to faith. I don't know how else to put it to you. God's calling us to faith. He's calling us to be people, men and women, who rely on His Spirit and His power inside of us. Not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit, to rely on His Spirit to see mountains moved. That in moments of worship, just like what we've just had, just because God is good, just because we are a people of faith worshiping Him, healing would come. Depression would be freed up. Healing, physical healing would happen. God would take off chains that have been holding people for years of years of of of. of the, the identities others put on them of disappointments, of pains of the past. We're trusting for big things this year. And as we navigate that journey, and God takes us graciously on that journey, we, I found this quote a while ago. I used it. I want to remind us of it. It's from a guy named John Falconer. He says, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. I mean, that was good, so I'm going to read it again, and you're going to go, hmm, ah, Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to part. Mm. Go. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay, that's what you're going to do. I have but one candle of life to burn. Mm. And I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. I don't want to save my best faith days for heaven. God's not going to need my faith in heaven. I'm going to be communing with him. My job is going to be praising. He's calling faith out of me here on earth to see heaven come to earth. And that's the story God's calling us to. And that is something of the year that he's pulling out of us. And you cannot look at faith without looking at these heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. And there are these names in the story of just amazing men and women who did incredible things for God. And you cannot read them and go, I'd love to be like that. I'd love God to tell my story where it is a story of faith that cuts across culture, cuts across the norm, and breaks in to bring his glory in the story of this life. Noah, a man, just a good father, a good husband, three sons, and God pulls him into a big story. And Noah steps out and, and faces up to some mountains. One of them would have been being misunderstood. Who likes being misunderstood? I, I don't. I, I like being liked, actually. I don't know about you. But I was a short man at school. I was tiny at school. Had a little bit of small man syndrome, so I used to use this thing to get people to like me. I know, you're like, not me, never. I've never, ever wanted anyone to like me. No, I did. And then you realize, as you read the disciple stories, and then you read God's mighty men's stories, you understand that part of being a disciple of Jesus is the fact that you will be misunderstood. It just comes with the territory sometimes. And not everyone's going to love your faith story. And then there's a woman, Sarah, and then there's David, and there's Moses. And I love the fact that in the hero of faith, and these heroes of our faith, there's an amazing lady named Rahab. And this is what it says about Rahab. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By faith, the prostitute Rahab. In our heroes of the faith, there is a prostitute in that story. And I love it because the grace and the gospel of God gets inside of a broken story, pulls out faith, and out comes that faith story. God wants to keep doing that in our midst. I'm sitting at the wedding with, with Tyler, some of Tyler's family who don't go to church, have never understood it, and haven't really always approved. And I'm getting, not the church at the wedding, and, and I'm getting to tell them, I'm just pointing around there and saying, well, do you know that person's story? 
Do, do you know that person's story? Do you know that, that she was a prostitute? He was a client? Do you know that that person was on drugs? Do you know that my wife used to party hard in ESP? And he's going, really? I thought you guys were like born Christians. Man, no. It's the grace of God. It's faith communities that rise up to see people come out of darkness into life. Let me tell you about Jesus. So grateful for those opportunities. But God is calling us to be a people of faith. But I want to tackle a mountain tonight because I feel it's a mountain in our community and in our area. It's a mountain in our nation right now. And it's a mountain called provision. Can you say provision? Well done. 18 months ago, October 2016, we had a fast for three days. It's what faith communities do sometimes. It's in His Word. It says when you fast, not if you choose to fast, when you fast. And we decided to fast. And on the last night, I felt courage rise up in me for this area of provision. And I called all those who were in our community here, and there were probably about 200, over 250 people here. I said, everyone who needs financial breakthrough, just kind of, you're just surviving or you're sinking, and you need breakthrough. We want to trust God for breakthrough. I thought it was a great moment of faith until about two-thirds, almost three-quarters of the room went into the middle of the room. Honestly. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I better, I'm better at hearing the challenges of the enemy than the voice of God in my story. Sometimes I'm just better at hearing that. And in that moment, as two-thirds, in a prayer meeting where we had been praying and fasting for three days, I felt the enemy say, now what? So you're a leader in this community? Now what? As provision, a mountain rose up and became evident. But I'm telling you, God is calling us to be people who understand His provision. And I think there is this great story. If we would be a people who go journey with Him, there is this great story of a man named Abraham. Special place in my heart because my dad's name is Abraham. Abraham Karl Freiland van Fetzen. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't get all of those names. Another story for another day. But Abraham's an incredible man, and he is celebrated in this heroes of faith. He gets a whole bunch of airtime. And I want to read a bit of his story. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even when he did not know where he was going. Who likes going where you don't know where you're going? No one. I said this morning, it's like telling my wife, we're going on holiday, pack the car. Where are we going? No, I don't know. We're just going to pack the car. It won't work. Definitely not in my house. It says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, that's his wife, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man... As he, as he, as, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Skip a few verses to verse 17 says, By faith Abraham, when tested, when God tested him, Isaac, sorry, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, how amazing is this, that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So here's this guy who at the age of 75, God pulls him into the school of faith and says, Abraham, I'm taking on a journey now. See, most of the other guys and girls in the list of heroes of faith, they did one or two great acts of faith over a season. This guy has all these great acts of faith over a time. 
And at the age of 75, he gets pulled into this great story and God doesn't pull him out of the school of faith. He goes with faith. It says he left his homeland. He left his comfort zone. He left everyone who knew him. He left every bit of his story behind where his credentials would have come from because God said, I've got a story for you out there. I want you to go where you don't know. It says by faith, he, even though he didn't know where he was going, I remember coming to Cape Town and one of my insecurities about coming to Cape Town was, Lord, you bring me a church of people who don't know me, taking me a city, they don't know where I worked, they don't know where I studied, they don't know where I played sport, and no one actually gives a hoot in Cape Town about Durban anyway, so why are you taking me to Cape Town? How are they going to like me, Lord? And God said, it's actually got nothing to do with you. It's all about my gospel, my goodness. Preach the gospel, the gospel works. God doesn't need us to know where we're going. As long as we go with him. He says actually he has faith to look ahead in the promises. He was living in tents. He'd left palaces to go and, and provision and houses to go live in tents. Why? Because he had faith that God was rebuilding a city and a story. And an architect was at work for that. He had faith. He had faith for his descendants. It says that he had all these descendants come out even though he was as good as dead. He's pretty old, past childbearing age. And that's quite a statement. As good as dead. It's quite a statement to make. Maybe your career feels as good as dead. Maybe your marriage feels as good as dead. Maybe the possibilities and the dreams you've had over the years, even at young ages, feel as good as dead. Well, I want to tell you about a man who, because of faith, saw an inheritance because of a mighty God and his faith in a mountain-moving God. But his greatest challenge lay ahead. There's a, I read this quote. He said, actually, in life, the first 40 years are just the text. The next 30 years are the commentary. I don't know if you read a Bible, but sometimes you read the text. What does it mean? Just reading the text. And then you go read a commentary on the text, and it all starts to make sense. Sometimes in life, what makes sense only comes later. Faith says, in this place of just reading and believing, I'm going to walk in faith to more. But this guy's greatest test came in Genesis 22. And this will be the most simple preach you'll hear from me. I'm literally going to read line by line and bring a few thoughts. Is that all right? All right. You're very quiet tonight. Now I feel like tonight is not a quiet night. We're going to have to get a little Southern Baptist excited. Okay. Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. You want to start a faith story? Because I think this is where most faith stories stop. Right at the start. To start a faith story is to, at the starting point of a faith story is hearing and listening. What do you mean, Mark? Well, what do I mean is right at the start, God speaks and we choose to listen or we choose not to. God could have gone, where are you, Abraham? I'm not here. I think we do that a lot. I think most faith stories actually, potential faith stories actually stop here. Because we don't want to listen and we don't want to hear. And when God calls, we're not actually there. I think of Eden. The minute sin gets in stories, what happens? Adam's in the garden. He's been walking, communing with God. God says, where are you, Adam? Even though he knows where he is. What did Adam do? Whoop. Hiding behind his fig leaves. See, when we're responding out of faith, we're not worried about our fig leaves. We're not worried about our vulnerabilities. We're just responding to the one who's calling because he is mighty and he is strong and he is good. And this guy, Abraham, had seen the faithfulness of God time and time again. So for him to respond to God when God called was easy. When God speaks in his word, because I'm telling you, God is speaking every day. You don't have to wait for an audible voice from God. His spirit is in us speaking. Do you respond? Just, yes, God. Yes. It's a lesson I'm trying to teach my kids. It's to be young men and women who actually have a yes inside of them. 
Will you help out? Yes. Not? Well, let's negotiate. Now, maybe God gave you a negotiating skill. We're not negotiating now. I want you to have a yes in you. Is there a yes in you for God and for God's purposes and his story? I want to say that this is a faith challenge, hearing and listening. It's a faith challenge to us. Secondly, point number two, faith is never faith until it is tested. Verse 2 says, then Isaac said, take your, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. It's a radical thing, eh? This guy has walked with God. God has given him the son. And God says to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love. I want you to go sacrifice him. I know this doesn't make sense to us. I know it's a challenge to us. I know, like, who is this God that would ask that? But Abraham knew his God. Abraham had walked with God. Abraham received promises of God. Abraham has seen the faithfulness of God. And in an instant, Abraham does the sums, and, and faith rises up rather than concern and all these things. Faith rises up and says, actually, I can trust this God. Because God promised me that I would have influenced the nations and many sons. Your only son. And uh, Abraham had received a great promise from God. And year after year, time had passed, but Isaac hadn't come. And year after year, the challenge had come, but Isaac hadn't come. And all of a sudden, this child was born, Isaac, his first and only son. And then God comes years later and says, take that son. I want you to sacrifice him. It's a massive, massive ask. It's an amazing thing, says God tested Abraham. That's where it starts, right at the stop. God tested Abraham. I want to tell you that our faith will be tested, not just by others. I feel God is looking. Jesus says, actually, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Not will I find good services, not will I find great coffee, although I think the coffee is good. Not will I find people doing church on a Sunday. Will I find faith, a people who believe me? And people who look to me, and when the pressure comes, like water crisis, and economic crisis, and, and sonar getting delayed, and no one knows who's president tomorrow, will they look to me? Will they choose, and their living dictate and look like something? Will it look like faith, even when it doesn't make sense? See, Abraham, I think part of the challenge that God wants to deal with us in the church, and I'm telling you, I've walked with God for many years, and sometimes I feel like God calling me stories, and I go, God, but I've walked that road. He says, no, I want today's stories of faith. Abraham, yes, had many stories of yesterday's faith. But God's saying, I want your stories of faith today. I've laid hands on the sick and seen them healed. Just tell you. I can't explain it always. I was often more surprised than the individuals I was praying for. I've seen deaf ears, ears healed. I've seen um, insulin dependency healed. I've seen many other things healed. But I'm telling you, God doesn't want me to tell stories of 2008 when he healed the deaf man. He wants me to tell stories now. He wants you to tell stories of his goodness in your life. The third point is this, and simple. Verse number three, as we understand what it means to be a mountain-moving people, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. Point number three, don't delay. Don't delay. God speaks. It's a hard ask. It's a big ask. And Abraham, what does he do? He thinks about it for two weeks. God, you know what I'm going to do? You are the God of all creation. What I'm going to do, I'm going to fast for it for the next week. Actually, I need to go speak to a church leader. I need to speak to my mates. I just need to process and work out the pros and cons on Excel. Some of you have done that. I've done it. Now, God had spoken. So what does he do? He responds. 
I don't know about you, but I went and, and I told the story a couple of weeks ago, but we went away as a family and there's this big jump and my lighty jumps and all the others are jumping. So I flip, I have to jump off this thing and I'm looking, it's like 12 meters high. I'm going, it's not my thing, this. And they all start shouting, five, four. And I'm like, shut up, three, keep quiet, four. I'm going to smack you, two. And I'm like, ah, one. And I'm like, nope. I have to jump now. And I just jumped. But the worst part was that delay. Don't delay. In a faith story, when God speaks to you, the God of all the nations, you're reading his word in the morning and he highlights someone, something to you. I would encourage you, if you want to live a life of faith, you want to move mountains, do it. Don't, don't write pros and cons. Don't sit around because I'm telling you, your heart wants to follow in faith, but often our head gets in the way. And a faith story is dictated by the goodness of God revealed in our hearts. And Moses, Abraham, I keep saying Moses, Abraham has this, this story that he's pulled into. Simple. Carries on. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offerings, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Point number four is don't play God. What do I mean? I think there's a lot of this. Well, God's not like that. God's not like this. God's not like that. But actually, when you read the Bible, well, he is very much like that. And he is very much like that. And he does reveal himself like this. Sometimes he does test. You say, well, God would never send a father to murder a son because that's very Old Testament. Well, let me tell you about the New Testament where a father sent a son to die on a cross to carry his own wood in the form of a cross up a hill to die so that you and I might find life. Please don't tell me God is not a father like this. Is God loving? He's the most loving father I've ever encountered. But the challenge is we love to make God like us. And if we did that in this scenario and we were Abraham, we were God, hey God, I think it's you speaking, but I'm telling you, my God of heaven would never ask me to take my son up a hill, to murder him on a hill. What is Abraham thinking? He's got a knife in him that is designed to kill his own son. He's carrying it up a mountain. What are you thinking? How is he processing that? Well, the Bible tells us how he's processing it. It says in Hebrews 11, it tells us he reasoned that God could raise him from the dead. So he did his Excel spreadsheet. He viewed it with faith. And his reasoning was this. I might have to sacrifice my son. But my God, who is able to raise him from the dead, will raise him from the dead. Faith doesn't make sense, guys. If we want to run in mountains, if you want to see miracles in and through your life, if you want to make space in your world for miracles, be it relational, emotional, financial, whatever the miracles are, I'm telling you, it's not going to make sense to everyone around you. But don't make God more like you. Then like God. God is God. And he's making us in his image. We aren't designed so that we can make him in ours. He's pulling us into his story. And too often, faith stories get minimized and become smaller because we keep God, our little genie in a cupboard, rather than allowing him to be God in our story. When God says, actually, I, I want you to go. I want you to go this place. Some of you are young. You're saying, actually, I, I want to live in fancy cities. I want to see the greatest things. God's saying, actually, I want you to go to the poorest of the poor. I'm telling you, the safest place you can be, the most empowered, faithful place you can be, is exactly where God speaks. 
For David, it was on a battlefield in front of Goliath. For Meshach, Shabrach, and Abednego, it was in a pit with a fire. For Daniel, it was facing up to a lion. It was the safest place, the most God-filled, fired-up, fueled place for him to be. And for you, it might just be where God speaks. And God says, I just, I want you to be generous with this person. You say, but God, surely you know how hard I've worked for my money. And surely you, ha- you know that I need a new smart TV. You know that, God. You know that I work really hard. And so I need to sit on my couch so that my smart TV can work its operating thing. Because if I gave that money to that person, then I won't be able to buy my smart TV, God. And you love me. And you're the God of love and abundance. And your, Psalm 1 says we'll prosper in all things. So surely you don't want me to give that money away. Am I the only person in the world who thinks like that? I can reason the socks off anything. I really can. And I'm telling you, God is saying, you want to be a people of faith? Stop using your head to work God out and allow your heart to respond to the heart of the Father. And on the other side of that, you'll see mountains moved. God is speaking to us. I want to tell you, God is not sensitive to your sensitivities. He's sensitive to your faith. God's not sensitive to what you are sensitive to. Oh, I really don't know if I want to be generous. And I I really don't know if if God's calling me to to go there or do this. I really don't know if God wants me to serve on a Sunday or serve inside five or be a part of a bigger story because surely he knows our hard work. And God's saying, actually, I'm not sensitive to that. I'm sensitive to your faith. Do something in faith. And on the other side, you will see a mighty God who has a kingdom on his throne, seated on his throne, seeing miracles. I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. I read the Bible, I see miracles. I see revival. I see nations changing. Honestly, right now, in the midst of water crisis, don't get caught up in the anxiety of our world. Get caught up in the greatness of our God. Speak words of life to people around you who anxiety are gripping and ripping and pulling their world apart and watch heaven come to earth. It's not my words, it's the Bible. Point number five is God provides for his call. It says, as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, the wood and the fire here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Imagine that conversation. I processed that conversation, putting one of my own boys in the corner. I'm going, no, God, that's, you can't ask that of me. You can't ask that of me. And God reminds me, but have you read Isaiah 53? My word says it was my will to crush him. Who? His son. To crush him. To take him in his hands and to crush him so that you and I could find life. That one son would die, that many sons would come to glory. And daughters. That is the gospel, friends. That's why to respond in faith to the goodness of our God is not religious rhetoric. It is responding in gratitude to God's goodness in our life. And it's understanding. I love, I love this response. It says, God will provide. Do you have that answer deep in you? And not, not a rhetoric, not a hashtag, not a bumper sticker. Do you have that in your soul? That when times are tough and your kids need something, you say, God will provide. Are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching yourself? Are you reconditioning? So the challenges most people have grown up under unfaithful fathers who've broken promises. One of my friends, on his four-year-old birth, fourth-year-old birthday, I've told this story before, he's standing on a wall and says, Daddy, catch me. His dad says, jump. He jumps, his dad moves away, and he breaks his leg. He says, never trust anyone. Four years old, never trust anyone. So what gets deep inside of that man? See, when I'm sitting in front of him, as he's a 32-year-old man, 28 years later, still struggling to trust the Father in heaven because an earthly father could not 
keep up to his promises. I want to tell you about, the, the Bible says, actually, even though fathers on this earth that are evil can give good gifts, how much more the Father in heaven? Jesus says, I came to show you the Father. The Father in heaven is a Father of how much more? How much more? You're struggling provision now? You're struggling as a provider in your home too? I'm telling you, the journey is to know Him. The journey is to trust Him. The journey is to put your faith in Him. He is faithful. He's faithful. You know, they were walking when they went on the Exodus. If you don't know, God took His people on the Exodus. There's a whole book called Exodus. And, and they, they're there and all of a sudden they go, shucks, we don't have food. Well, they're losing perspective of God. So God sends them something. It's called manna. You know what it means? What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? This food lands, says, eat that for today. Don't store for tomorrow. I will provide for you tomorrow. And he does it every day. They don't know what it is, but they're learning to trust the provision of God. And I'm telling you, friends, in these times, economic pressure times, pressure times on many levels, I'm telling you, we have to go on individual journeys of having a revelation of God is my provider. God. Not my ability, not my skill, not the gifts that he gave me even. God, my Father. And then, as we land in this story, the last one is this. Don't tell Gabe I had eight points. I'll get in trouble. He only has three points ever. Please don't tell him. But the last point is this. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, in our economics, I would have fought for that son because God had promised that son. I would have fought to keep Isaac safe. I would have fought to protect him. I would have fought to make sure that he was safe. And yet in God's economy... God says, actually, you were so obedient and faithful. You were prepared to give yourself, your son away as a sacrifice. I'll not just give you your son. I'll give you many sons through the nations. I'll give you the cities of your enemies. And I will make sure your descendants will be vast. We can settle for Isaac. Or we can trust God for the nations. What are you trusting God for? Because God puts it this way. You have not withheld your son from me. What are you withholding from God right now? What's your Isaac? That's the question I've got to ask myself when I say, what's your Isaac? For some in this room, your Isaac is actually a pain you encountered 30 years ago. A divorce, a brokenness, a broken work relationship. It's just that thing you can't give to God. I'm just going to withhold it. God, you can have everything, but I'm just going to withhold it. Your Isaac is everything you want to keep outside of the pool when you get baptized. Well, I'll, I'll take my watch off, which is my status. I'll take my finances. I'll put my wallet over there, which is my money. You just don't touch my money. You don't touch my time. And what I'll do is I'll put my cell phone over there. Just don't touch my relationships. I don't want this gospel thing to affect the people who think so much of me. And we end up living our life to please people who we don't really care about. And we forget that actually I'm called to live to please Him. And I'm withholding from Him so much. God's saying, actually, I want a people who will trust me with everything. You did not withhold your son from me. I want to say the more simple your faith, the more sure I believe will be our triumph. Believe God in the dark, and you shall soon come into the light. To believe God when it's easy, 
in church on a Sunday, that's easy. To trust God when we face up to the trials. When your kids are sick and you don't have answers. When there's no money in the bank and there's no money coming through. When relationships are falling apart. I want to call us this time in a year of moving mountains to a faith that looks like something to the world around us. A faith that pulls people towards him, not towards us. This is not about me and my story. This is about him and his story. Let's move mountains together. God's calling us to much as a community this time. Can I pray for us? God, tonight we come. I pray moving, move the mountains is not just a good mantra for church, a good line for Vision Sunday, God. I pray you are called, you are speaking to us, you are challenging us. Even with Robin Alette Boerter, you are sending gifts who can come and challenge us. Men who have left this country to go worship you in the middle of a desert. And they've seen healings. They've seen tumors disappear in Muslim people. They've seen Muslim clerics come to worship you, God. I say, I want to live those stories, God. I pray, God, for us as a community at this time, whatever we are withholding from you, I pray would faith begin to rise up. Let faith arise in this place, God, not because of the zeal or the passion of a preacher, but because of the life and the story of a man named Abraham who was willing to trust you with his one and only son, the son he loved, the thing he loved the most, the thing he'd waited for the longest. And yet because of that faith and that obedience, you pulled him into a world and nation-changing story. I'm saying, God, give me that faith. (coughs) Give me that faith, God. Please, King. Lord, we want to see miracles. We want to see healings. We want to see your life. We want to see breakthroughs. We want to see lives go from darkness into life. We want to see the proud and the arrogant come running on their knees before your glory. And we want to see it in our time, God. As a church, we're saying we, we celebrate what you are doing around the world, but we want to see it in the midst of our city, in the midst of the mess in our streets. We want to see your glory come. Actually, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you're saying, actually, there are areas might be relational brokenness, maybe even trusting God with finances or your time or your career or your kids is tough and you're withholding some of those things. I'd love to pray with you. And I'm telling you, I'm standing. I've had journeys where I've struggled to let go sometimes. And God's saying, actually, I don't want my people to withhold. I want my people to be with me. If you're saying, actually, I want to respond in faith to more of God tonight, won't you stand with me? And I'd love to pray with us one more time. God is calling us to so much. Thank you. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you, God. We place our trust in you tonight. I don't know what is being held here and withheld from you, God, whether it is pain of the past, whether it is a father who broke promises for year after year. But I ask, Spirit of God, as you are here, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God, you are calling up a people of faith to rise up, to see greater things. We worship you, and I pray for freedom in this place. I pray for liberty in this place. And I thank you, God, that we will see greater things because of who you are. We worship you, King. We worship you, God. Amen. 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 Amen.